Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Jason Keaton. Jason is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt from Kentucky, now lives and operates his gym out of Columbus, Georgia. appreciate Jason joining me for the episode today. Oh, he's also a, a former, I guess, amateur, but also, of course, professional MMA fighter. So really enjoy Jason coming on the show today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Jason Keaton. Jason has been recommended to me here in the Louisville, Kentucky area um, that I should do a podcast episode interviewing Jason, many times over the years, and I've finally gotten around to it. So with no further ado, Jason Keaton, how are you today? I am doing great. How about yourself, Kelly? Doing very well. Really appreciate you joining me. If it's all right, being this is the first time I've got to, to chat with you, either, either on you know in person or uh, on the episode, could you please introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience. Who is Jason Keaton? Where do you live at? What's your background with martial arts? And what makes your story unique, if you could? Oh, okay. Well, I currently live in uh, Columbus, Georgia. I am originally from Kentucky. And that's where I know like a lot of the, maybe say people that recommended, recommended me to you. And uh, yeah, so I live in Georgia. And I got started martial arts when I was pretty young. I started wrestling at the Kentucky School for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was like four, uh, four going on five probably. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did martial I started wrestling when I was really young. So I got to be about 
14, 15, uh, I wanted to do martial arts. I wanted to get into something I could really defend myself with. And I started in Taekwondo because that's what you can, you know, a lot of people start there. That's what you can get into. And you just think when you're 14, you know, everything works. But I got in there and it, did, it didn't really feel right. And then I got hooked up with some guys in Louisville that they kind of, it's really its own style, but it is kind of based on Wing Chun. And it has a lot of different other stuff in it, though, which is, I think is good. But, and it was under a guy named Henry Cook. It's called The Seven Winds. So I got into that. But even even then, I didn't really feel like it was like uh, like my thing. You know what I mean? Especially about that time UFC came out. So after I trained in that, that system for a while, I got I got into jiu-jitsu and grappling. And, and at the time, it was called, you know, Valley Tudo. I wanted to do Valley Tudo matches. And then it was quickly chasing no holds barred. So... I was really interested in like the UFC and what really worked. Like those first couple of UFCs really uh, made a big impact on me, of course, like many guys in my generation. So, but I was doing martial arts already. So what I said was like, I'm going to find these jujitsu guys and see what's up. Uh, and yeah, I got into jujitsu and I really kind of never looked back at that point, you know? So I guess what makes my story unique is that I'm, I'm legally blind. And what that means is, Basically, when I put on my glasses, I still can't see crap. Like a lot of people have the, uh, you know, you might have bad vision or whatever, and probably are legally blind without your glasses. A lot of people are this way. Just when you put when you put your glasses on, it is you know corrected to twenty sixty, twenty forty, whatever. I put my glasses on and it's corrected to twenty two hundred, which is the definition of legal blind uh, legal blindness. And so. were you, were you born that way? Yep. I was born this way. It's a genetic, it's called a genetic rotten cone disorder. So I've got two other brothers that have the same, uh, same condition. So just look at the, look at the draw, <laughs> look at the draw. We got it. So, but really, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. So it was actually probably one of the, one of the best things that happened to me, believe it or not. So the, um, just opportunities has allowed me to, to have and, you know, different experiences. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been kind of a, a blessing and a curse, if you know what I mean. So it's, um, yeah, I was just, just born that way for sure. So how, how old are you, Jason? I'm 44 now. So I'm 44 years old going on, going on 45 in this January. So when you were very young, you started wrestling and right. I assume along the way, you know, you've competed in jujitsu. Have you done any other martial arts oh, competitions? Yeah. Yeah, I've done I've done quite a bit of uh, jujitsu and judo. Uh, I was actually one of the first visually impaired national judo champions. Um, I mean, they had maybe other champions, you know, stuff, but they had like a, a special division for visually impaired people. So I won that in two thousand nine, and I've done some mixed martial arts even, and won like some small like local local titles and stuff like that. But nothing ever, nothing ever too too prestigious. But, you know, it was just a great opportunity to do it. But I've, I've done quite a bit of jiu-jitsu. I actually won, and in 2013, I won the uh, Atlanta Open, IBJJF. And that's the last time I competed. I, I figured after that I would just I would just quit. Because <laughs> I had wrestled and MMA and judo and, you know, um, just kind of wears on your body. So at 36, as the, I won the Atlanta Open, and I called it a, I called it a career. Now, if I look online for Jason Keaton MMA, one guy comes back. It says fighting out of Indiana, two and one pro record. Is that you? It might be me. 
So I, I, I think I've had more fights than that because in Ohio I had more. But I'm not out of Indiana. Okay. It does say here, Ohio Regional, you fought Adam Rivera in 2002. That's it. Yeah, I fought that guy. Okay, and then Randy Williams in 2002 also. And then in 2004, it says you fought Spencer Canup. So it's it shows three of yeah. your fights. I know that's pretty old, so tapology doesn't always go, you know, that far back. So I guess if we look on other sites, maybe there there's... They might have some more. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know how many like reported. A lot of these shows are kind of like... Um, some of these shows were just kind of like one and done at the time. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they were really even concerned about reporting to sure dog or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, but I mean, we fought like, you know, I've also fought like little, they had like a little thing up there in Kentucky, like Chris Griffin will tell you, it's called like rough man or something like that. We'd go do that. <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the best promotions, <laughs> you know, nothing is bad or anything, but yeah, I think that's, that's good. I mean, those are, those are three solid fights. I'd say those are three of my most solid fights though, for sure. Um, I had, um, yeah, that, that Spencer Canup, his name's Itor. He's really good. So I lost to him, you know, probably, um, that really changed my life. That loss was probably one of the best things that could actually happen to me, I would say. So now in retrospect, that, that loss was really, really impactful on my life. So in what way, know, so in what way, how was that loss good? Well, that loss was good because, you know, at the time, I was, I was getting older. I was finding like, you know, like little, little MMA shows. And I just didn't know if I really wanted to keep doing MMA. Right. Cause I had beat, uh, there's a guy named Mike Heitzler that I fought in the Kentucky fighting challenge. And sometimes that's online, but I, I fought him a couple weeks before that fight, maybe three weeks or something like that. And I, I felt pretty good. He was a very game opponent, but when it came to this guy, it was like, you know, the week leading up to it, I had school, uh, I didn't really feel like I had the like the best support system, and I didn't really feel like I had uh, my mind right. So after I fought, and I, I lost. I, I didn't even really feel like going out in the cage. You know what I mean? I really didn't even feel like doing it. So by the time I got out there, I, I just didn't care, and I, I lost that bout. And then it made me look at what I really wanted to do with uh, my life in martial arts. So I thought maybe I'd fight again, and I was getting more into like stand up and striking. Uh, but through that loss, I met, um, a good friend, uh, at, well, he was kind of an acquaintance at the time. Um, but his name was, uh, John Rinkin, right? So through John Rinkin, I got tied into the combatants world with the United States army. So that was really, uh, yeah, that's really kind of what spurred it on because I wanted to improve my stand up and I wanted to bring myself to the next level because I just, you know, did so terrible in that fight. But when I kind of started working with John, he said, Hey man, look, once you, once you start teaching the army. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was going to school uh, for nursing at the time and I basically just dropped out and started doing combatives full time. So, uh, that was, um, yeah, that was, that was all due to that loss. And kind of from there, you know, I've got to, I've got to do martial arts as a career from then on out. So that loss, uh, really kind of perpetuated, uh, me getting involved with the United States army. And, you know, I, I, I did some contracting and then I worked for him for, you know, about 12 years. Uh, and I just kind of, uh, resigned in 2019, but you know, it allowed me to be a professional martial artist and to become more of a coach. So at least for MMA guys for a while, you know, so, um, 
yeah, that's, that's, that's how to, and also maybe think about how training, how I was training too. So one of the things was I knew I wasn't training to the best level. I knew I wasn't at the highest skill levels. And I knew that the mental aspect of fighting needed work because no matter what I should have been really, you know, um, reinforcing myself with like, you know, the right imagery and like, you know, having a script and all the stuff that you learn, uh, as you are, you know, really trying to move up to that professional level. So I was able to kind of impart a lot of that stuff. I, I learned onto other fighters and then my students. And then what kind of helped me kind of do well in jujitsu and judo was that I had learned, uh, from that mistake in those fights. Right. So in that fight, I learned that I need to work on the mental aspect. I work, I get too excited before a fight. I learned, you know, uh, the benefits of breathing exercises. And, you know, the, the, the good thing was I did work, uh, for the army and they have like a lot of sports psychologists that I was able to work with and pick their brain and stuff like that. So it definitely put me on a quest, um, to improve, improve myself overall. And then also at the same time, it helped me to become a better teacher and really, really a better person because, you know, controlling, controlling yourself mentally and emotionally through breathing in the right, you know, mindset, uh, that's important for fighting. But I, I didn't have it in that fight. Um, you know, so when people talk about fighting is way more than physical, that's definitely true. I mean, you can be physically great and in the gym, you can be great, but if you can't perform at the right time, none of that matters. Right. So for me, that loss put me on that. And then I was just so blessed to you know, have all of these different people come into my life and, uh, present me with, with that and the opportunities that I got from, you know, like just being around high level athletes and coaches, you know, thanks to the army. So, is it difficult to do striking, you know, boxing or kickboxing with your vision issues, your blindness? Yeah, it, I mean, it's hard. Well, it's hard for anybody, right? It's like one of the hardest things to do. It was, it was a bit hard. Um, I remember when I first wanted to do the fighting, I mean, I knew that, you know, kind of the Kung Fu and all that stuff I was doing, I, I knew that kind of didn't work. I started getting with some guys that, um, uh, um, Actually, one of my buddies, he's, 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 he's a bit eccentric, but he's, he's kind of brilliant in his own way. And he, um, you know, he, he was one of the kind of the first to believe that I could do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and his name is Gavin, right? So Gavin was like, yeah, you can do it, man. It's just, you know, you gotta keep your freaking hands up. So he started working with me on my boxing and, and striking. It, it, it took me a long time. I, I joined, a, like a gym in Lexington, Kentucky called Legends Boxing Gym. And I probably boxed there for about eight months. But, you know, it was a, definitely a lot of, like, heavy bag work, speed bag work, and then you would hit the myth, and then you'd go in there and spar these guys. And it was, you know, full out, like, amateur-style boxing. So it, it, it definitely taught me to keep my hands up. Uh, and then later on, uh, I got to work with some of the, uh, like, the straight blast gem guys, and they really kind of helped me learn some easier ways to deal with uh, striking. Um, so... From those guys, I got I got a little I got a little like basically a peekaboo style of uh, defense I could use, um, and and that helped me a ton because basically my game was going to be I mean I, I definitely hit people in fights but you know um, I just wanted to clinch them you know I just wanted to get them on the ground I just wanted to win I didn't really care about making it like uh like I'm not trying to go in there and be like the world's greatest boxer you know what I mean I was definitely gonna my game plan was gonna be I'm gonna take you down or or get you to the ground somehow and, and punch you or submit you or something like that. So, um, pretty, pretty standard, pretty standard fight formula for me. <laughs> so 
Now, Jason, being that you are a jujitsu black belt and, of course, an instructor and a gym owner, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So a lot of people listen listening to this are also jujitsu practitioners. They are in that mm. world. Could you do a, a summary of who taught your first jujitsu class ever that you attended? Who did, If it's all right, like who did you receive your blue belt from and all the way up? Is that okay? Yeah. That's good. Okay, so what I did was um, my first jiu-jitsu class probably was at Four Seasons in Lexington, Kentucky. Because when I first got into it, I, I visited my brother. I lived in Louisville at the time, but um, I ended up, um, you know, kind of going to Lexington and visiting my brother. And there was a school there called, well, Four Seasons. Uh, you guys probably know it now, but it's just like a little tiny Kung Fu school, but they said they did jujitsu and they also had, <laughs> they also had like some videos, right? So I wanted to watch the videos. So I went and like basically rented the videos from them and, um, you know, uh, I'm going to say this now, I copied the videos. <laughs> I got copies of the videos. It was like Enzo Gracie's first set or whatever. And so it was a guy named, uh, it was Mike O'Donnell who's, you know, the the head dude at Four Seasons in Lexington. You know, he's a fourth degree black belt at Carlson and a, a great MMA fighter and coaching his own daggone right, right? So he taught my first jiu-jitsu class. Now, I came back to Louisville and I was like, I'm really into jiu-jitsu. So I found these guys out in J-Town um, in Louisville and it was Alan Manganiello's school and Scott Smith was there at the time. And that was like when jiu-jitsu was still kind of, you know, it was still pretty new. It must have been like 98 99. It had to be like late, late nineties. Right. Uh, and I'd been, I'd already been doing some like grappling at the time. So I was doing like some stuff with like Nogi and, you know, trying to figure out stuff by watching fights. Like, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to Boston crab dudes at the time, basically. Um, so cause I had wrestled and I was like, well, I'm going to wrestle guys and try to, just, you know, have terrible submissions. But after that class, I realized, you know, you had to learn jujitsu because, you know, they were, they were submitting me. I mean, with a gi on easily. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. So anyway, I went out to, to J town and I got like a punch card and I was taking the classes and then I had some money and, and I got Scott Smith to really give me about, it was about five lessons. It was about four. I think it was, I think it was about, yeah, maybe four lessons. It might've been four lessons, but in those four lessons, he, Scott Smith taught me so much that it kind of really set me on my way. Right. So then I was fortunate enough to, move to Lexington and start training there. Right. So how, how I got my blue belt, uh, was at the time there was a purple belt there named Aaron Basil that, you know, he had worked with uh, a black belt and, you know, if he could, he could, he could do this at the time. Right. So, um, at least have permission for this guy. So that's, that's how I got my blue belt. And I wasn't sure about it, but when I got my teacher, Hinato, uh, I asked him if it was okay, if I was a blue belt, because this you know, this guy given to me and he said, for sure. So really, I don't know how you say who gave him a blue belt. If it was Aaron Basil, who was under Popovich at the time, or if it was Hanato, but I would say, you know, it's kind of both of them. Uh, and then I got all my belts, the rest of my belts from Hanato. Hanato was like my main teacher. He had, he had moved to Kentucky in 2002. And as soon as I met Hanato, uh, we just clicked. And matter of fact, he's coming tonight to stay at my house. So he's, he's, he's coming tomorrow. So he's been my teacher ever since. As soon as I met him, I was like, this is my guy, right? So, um, and the crazy thing was, was that I trained with him. I was in Lex, I was in Kentucky for a couple of years. 
I'd got my purple belt and then his father uh, had passed away. So I got my purple from an auto. His father had passed away. And then he had, he had moved back to Brazil. So I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm fine at purple belt. I'll just be a purple belt forever. Who cares? Right. You know, I'll miss it. My teacher though, you know, he's my dude. And then come to find out he had moved back to the United States uh, and went to American top team in coconut Creek. So I was like, that's cool. Right. So I'm going to go down and train with him. So I went down and train with him and man, it was just, you know, we've been, we've been reunited, been been together ever since. I've seen him a couple times a year ever since. And, you know, uh, message him and talk to him on the phone. Just like, you know, he's like a big brother. So that's where I've got all my stuff from. Is that good? Yeah, no, that that's very, um, very all inclusive backstory. Exactly what I was looking for. I appreciate it. What brought you to Georgia? How'd you get in Georgia? Uh, well, I worked at Fort Knox. I was working for the army and, uh, armor center was moving down to Fort Benning and they offered me a, you know, they offered to move my job and I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So I moved down here and it's true. I didn't like it at first, but now I love it, man. I love, uh, I love, I love Columbus, Georgia. I love Georgia so much. <laughs> you know, I've had, I've had 10 good years here and, uh, she's been, been great to me. So yeah, when I moved down and I moved down and I worked, you know, until, 2019 for the United States Army, and then you know I wanted to play music. So, um, and you know I wanted to you know kind of be done with it because basically what ended up happening in working with the Army is I was kind of teaching classes over and over. And originally I was doing it to be more like an administrator and kind of do some like special events and this that's that's what they hired for me at Knox. But there was like kind of a like a thing that allowed me to. Uh, basically keep my job and teach classes. I was like responsible for teaching classes, which was true. But at Benning, they just made me do it so much that I just, you know, it was, it wasn't too interesting. So I wanted to, I wanted to spend my time a little bit better, you know? So, uh, cause what would happen was I would teach a class and then I'd have weeks off and that's good for a lot of people. But for me, it's not very good. I'd rather teach like every week or, do something every day and there was a lot of downtime and I just, I just, I just couldn't do that, you know? So some people might like that, but that's not really my lifestyle. I am trying to play music. Yeah. I would say that I play guitar in the bands and sing and yeah, I went to, I went to school for a couple of years for music and, um, didn't get a degree, but, uh, I learned a lot about music. So I'm really into jazz and fusion, but, um, my band probably plays more like blues and funk and, you know, uh, old R and B type stuff. So that's what the band plays. But yeah, I love, I love, I love music. Yep. What's great is how, how much music and jujitsu are so much alike. Right. So that's one of the things that I, I've always, uh, I find interesting is that especially with music, um, it teaches you and it's good, especially like if you're like, you know, I've done jujitsu so long that, you know, I can't really fully remember what exactly it was like to be like a white belt. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense because I had wrestled and I had done like some, even Russian martial arts and stuff. I did like some Sambo and stuff and, um, some mission wrestling before I even got into jujitsu. So I, I had a couple of years of experience, even when I started in, uh, doing jujitsu with the gi, right? So the, the thing was, is when I was a white belt, I was, you know, I had wrestling and some Sambo and I did, I had learned some jujitsu and, uh, I used to have this big book called the fighter's notebook. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I had a thick book. You could order it from like, it was like the, the underground the forum or whatever. Same guys that ran that Kurt, Kurt Jenis, I think it was, 
Uh, so I ordered that book and I learned some sweeps and arm bars. And I, I, I really learned from that book. So when I got to jujitsu, I already knew some stuff, but I really didn't know how to apply it. So that's really what like Scott and Mike O'Donnell and uh, Aaron Basil would, would really help it with me. They would really show me how to apply the stuff and, you know, more than just the moves, the stuff that kind of is in between the moves of jujitsu. So, yeah. So when I started guitar, it really helped me understand how to be a better teacher too, because it's freaking hard, man. And, you know, in music, you can't really, um, you can't really force anything. So even if you're athletic and you jitsu and I kind of get an arm bar, I can kind of squeeze it and make it happen. Right. Well, in music, you either sound good or you suck. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So it made me really kind of put myself like in the beginner's mindset, uh, for the last, last few years. And, um, I think it's made me a better teacher and also made me a better practitioner of jujitsu because, um, one thing that music and jujitsu teaches you is that you have to have patience if, uh, you want to kind of get the, get it right. You know, it's going to take you a while. I, do, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's, it's going to take you however long it takes you, depending on how hard you work and, you know, and how much you really love it. I think. Now you mentioned funk. The intro, yeah. intro and outro music for my radio show and now my podcast over the past 10 years has been, I'll play a clip of it. You tell me if you're familiar with this artist. Before I know that riff, James Brown, you a James Brown fan? I am, I like James Brown, yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't, James Brown for sure. I don't know why it just resonated with me. I like it, and like I said, it's my intro and my outro music. That's a good one for every episode. Who do you have a favorite musician of all time? Or you said uh, old school R&B, but I mean, is there anyone in particular that comes to mind? Oh, Miles Davis. Okay, so jazz. Miles Davis. I would say of all time, if I had to pick, if I had to pick one artist, it'd probably be Miles because for me, he um, he came. You know, he he was a real musician, and he also created a couple different styles. So I like that he could take his own path and make it his own because you know he when he really had changed what they call cool jazz or whatever. Uh, you know, bebop was still pretty popular and you know, he, he was playing with like, um, John, not John Coltrane, but, uh, he was playing with like Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and stuff like that. So that's why he had moved to New York, but you know, he, he wanted the music to sound a lot more beautiful and then he wanted to make it more like appealing to people. And I don't know if it was a financial reason or he really wanted that, but, um, I think, I think I like, yeah, that got best. And then he gets into fusion later and it gets, it gets pretty fun. So I think of all time, he's my favorite, but I have, I basically love everybody. So anybody good, I, I, I listen to him, I'd say. All styles. Okay. Now, what is your current routine like? What's your schedule like? You teach jiu-jitsu. Do you just do jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Do you do any striking or do you, you know. No, no, no. I just do jiu-jitsu. Do devote, devote to music? I mean, what's your schedule like? Ah, great. Well, I will tell you, that's funny you say that because a lot of my schedule is, um, getting up and taking, like doing yoga. So I have, before we did this, I did 45 minutes of yoga outside. So for me, I have to do, oh, 
Jason, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah. I'll edit that dead period out. Okay. So we will pick right up where we left off. Jason, you said your routine entails a lot of yoga. Yeah, it it entails a lot of yoga. And um, I make sure I get probably about an hour and a half to two hours of jujitsu just kind of like rolling a week. So I like to regular up like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, or maybe like a basic 30, 30, 30 minutes to 45 minutes of rolling kind of, kind of depending on what my body feels like I do two days a week of weights and I've been doing more like bodybuilding stuff at this age. So I just been doing stuff to kind of keep my joints healthy, kind of moderate reps. Um, and besides that, man, lots of water, lots of fruit and veggies, no kidding. So, uh, this year I switched to a med- more like a Mediterranean diet, which, you know, there's a lot of fruits and vegetables. So, you know, that's, that's basically my whole routine and just making sure I get plenty of sleep and downtime these days. So if I feel like, you know, in the past I would just, um, you know, get a, get a cup of coffee or a monster drink and, uh, just keep pushing through. But now it's like, man, I feel tired. I just definitely try to crush a nap. So that's helped. It's good advice for anyone, I'd say. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I've only been training jujitsu about six years now, but as of yeah. recently, my wife and actually my mother and I, we all do um, a lot of hot yoga. So about five, maybe oh even six days a week, I'll be in there doing hot yoga. So I'm also a big fan of yoga. Yeah, I was just outside. I mean, good thing about Georgia is all you got to do is step outside and it's hot enough, right? So the... Yeah, the, the heat really, man, really helps. I mean, I would like to do a hot yoga class probably. So the other thing I do uh, on the regular is, and I should do it more, is the Wim Hof breathing exercises. And I was even doing like the ice baths and stuff. Wow. Which really helps reduce inflammation, yeah. But since I got a new house, we don't really have a great tub for that. And I got to figure out a solution. But, I, you know, especially about the time fall and, stuff rolls around the, the ice bath, man, really help reduce that inflammation and also help strengthen your mind too, for sure. So I would say for me, um, yeah, just, just kind of doing that stuff is, is good enough. And then, yeah, I, I do, I do play guitar. I try to play at least an hour a day, but, uh, the last couple of weeks I've not, I've not done too well with that, but we have a, we have a rehearsal this week end. So I've been, I've been back on it. So um, I played a jazz gig last month and then I'm back with the band for the next few, next few months here. And then that's, uh, that's it. So that's basically my schedule. I don't really have, and I do teach classes. So I teach, you know, kids and, and adults kind of through the week. So I usually try to teach about, about four to five adult classes and then a few of the kids classes. Cause I mean, I love, I love the kids, but you know, at 44, I sometimes don't have the energy. So like today I'll have the energy to play with them, but, some days I was like, ah, I just don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I also, so teach, like yeah, I also teach kids jujitsu and it, it's, it's rewarding and all the corny, wholesome stuff that you want out of a hobby like that, but it does test your patience on occasion. So it takes a yeah. lot of energy after a kid's or two or three kids classes consecutively. Sometimes I'm oh, yeah. like, Oh shit, I just feel exhausted and I didn't even do anything. Oh, that's right. I mean, sometimes I, I'm exhausted and I play like, we play a game called Push Up Freeze Tag. They love this game. I mean, it was just like a game I made them to do because I wanted them to do push ups. I didn't think they were going to fall in love with it, right? So they love this game, man. And these kids, they sprint, they chase each other. And, man, they do a lot. They end up doing a lot of like push ups, you know? So 
I play that with them. And of course, you know, I, I, I don't know if you're like this, but if you play, t- uh, how old are you? I am 38 years old. 38 years old. Great. So if you ever, you ever play tag with your kids class? Um, we do dodgeball. It's the Scott Smith system. It's like a real structure. I didn't create it, but we have sometimes tug of war, um, oh, yeah. dodgeball, uh, some type of fun game. Brian Phillips does a good job with some, uh, red yeah. light, green light and fun games like that, but not specifically really tag. Well, we do the, we do a tag and if they get tagged and we do two versions of it. Right. So, but the, the thing I want to tell you is if you play tag with kids, one thing I know about these kids is they all freaking play soccer, man. And their agility, they're going to catch you. They're going to run you down. <laughs> okay. and you can't escape You can't escape a 10-year-old, I tell you. This is impossible for me. So, <laughs> just like, man, it's like if this kid had a knife, it'd be over for me, I said. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it, it is a lot of fun to, to play with them. So, but, yeah, I, I feel the same. Even even just teaching, like, the energy, the energy is, is gone. So I love it. Well, once again, Jason Keaton, I really appreciate you joining me for the episode today. Once again, I don't even know if I mentioned it, but I think it was Chris Griffin who recommended, maybe even also someone else who said, you know, this Jason Keaton guy, you got to chat with him. It'd be an interesting episode. So Jason, I really appreciate you joining me. Before we wrap things up, are there, you know, I don't know, social media plugs, any plug for, you know, your band you play in or, or anything you'd like to mention before we wrap the episode up? No, I, I would just, there is one thing I'd like to mention. Um, especially if you're a jujitsu instructor and you know someone that's visually impaired or blind, and get them in jujitsu. It's one of the best things they could do. It's a great activity. It's something they can do. So if you know somebody that's got bad vision or really any disability, but I'm just talking about for the blindies out there. So if you have, if you know somebody that's visually impaired or blind, then just, you know, try, try to get them involved with jujitsu. It's the best thing for them. Wow. I, I believe it. I, I, easy to say for you because it's been so positive for you. I don't really encounter many people who are visually impaired or legally blind, but I, I, I believe it, that it, it's a, a, a very positive, positive thing for you. Yeah, it, I love it. So I'm going to do jujitsu tonight and all day tomorrow. So I love it so much. Great stuff. Well, Jason Keaton, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining me. Ha- have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Kelly. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.